take your Bibles and go to Matthew 6 tonight, Matthew chapter 6, and Pastor Hawkins is here on March 10th, March 10th through the 13th, he'll be back preaching a King James Bible Conference, both he and then Pastor Jim Alter out of Sydney, Ohio, they'll be teaching us Sunday through Wednesday on why we use the King James Bible, the history of the English Bible, why we use that translation, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Tonight, we'll be answering a question that I think probably every single person in this room at some point has asked themselves, or at least dealt with this, um, this, this thing that we have come up in our lives. I think probably everybody in the whole world has, and Christians are uh, no exception. I think everybody listening on the website, online, the podcast and everything, I think everybody has asked this question or has experienced this feeling, and that's, this, the question is this. I'm a Christian. How do I overcome my anxiety? I'm a Christian, which matters for the answer. How do I overcome my anxiety? I want you to hold that in your mind while we read Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. These verses are in your uh, outline if you'd like to follow along. The Bible says, Therefore I say unto you, Jesus is talking, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Now, take no thought doesn't mean don't consider it or don't prepare. Doesn't mean you're not allowed to iron the night before or lay out your clothes or make sure you've got some clean things. Doesn't mean you can't make sure your water bill is paid and there's food in the refrigerator for dinner tomorrow night. That's not what it means at all. It means don't be worried or fretting that full of care for the next day. That's what he means. Verse 26. Behold, the fowls of the air, the birds, for they sow not, so they don't plant, neither do they reap, they don't harvest, nor gather into barns, they don't save. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them, are ye not much better than they? And so he's pointing out, what about the birds whose whose only sustenance is God himself? They don't have a bank account, they don't have any of this, God just takes care of them every day, and God takes care of them. Verse 27, which of you, by taking thought, or or you're worried, you're fretting, you're really thinking hard, you're just stressed out, can add one cubit to his stature. So can you, if you're stressed, can you make yourself taller? Can you try really hard? I'm so worried. I want this to happen. No, no, no. It doesn't make a difference. Verse 28, why take ye thought for raiment? Why are you worried for your clothes? Consider this, the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. So they're not making themselves clothes. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory, King Solomon was not arrayed like one of these. The, he, he didn't look in all of his, his um, riches and the best that money could buy. He was the richest king there. He did not look as beautiful as a flower of the field whose only clother, if that's the right word, clothier, is God. He doesn't, the flowers don't make clothes. They don't uh, go out and buy material. God clothes them and they're doing great. Verse 30, wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, grass doesn't really matter. Shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought. Don't be worried saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things to the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. 
Take therefore no thought for the morrow, that's the next day, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So we're going to be answering the question tonight from the Bible, how does a Christian deal with anxiety in his or her life? Don't raise your hand because it's going to be everybody. But if I were to ask for a raising of the hand, how many of us has dealt with anxiety at one time or another? I think everybody, everybody has. Now, number one in your notes, we'll look at first modern anxiety, modern anxiety. What is anxiety? We talk about anxiety. I have anxiety, you have anxiety, we all have anxiety. What does that mean? Medically, what is it? So the APA Dictionary of Psychology, defines anxiety as this, and I put part of this in your notes. Anxiety is an emotion characterized by apprehension and somatic symptoms. Somatic symptoms would be like of the body, visible, of tension in which an individual anticipates impending danger, catastrophe, or misfortune. The body often mobilizes itself to meet the perceived threat. Muscles become tense, breathing is faster, and the heart beats more rapidly. Anxiety may be distinguished from fear, both conceptually and physiologically, although the two terms are often used interchangeably. Anxiety is considered a future-oriented, long-acting response broadly focused on a diffuse or general threat, whereas fear is an appropriate present-oriented and short-lived response to a clearly identifiable and specific threat. So there's several words in what I just uh, read, such as apprehension, anticipate, perceived, future-oriented. Somebody who has anxiety, if you say I have anxiety, it means of what's coming or what might be coming. You have a fear basically of what might happen or might not happen in the future. You're not sure what's coming. What are the symptoms? The Mayo Clinic, this is all accessed today. The Mayo Clinic lists common anxiety signs and symptoms, feeling nervous, restless, or tense, having a sense of impending danger, panic, or doom, having an increased heart rate, breathing rapidly, sweating, trembling, feeling weak or tired, trouble concentrating or thinking about anything other than the present, having trouble sleeping, experiencing gastrointestinal problems, having difficulty controlling worry, and having the urge to avoid things that trigger anxiety. Now, so far, none of these people, as far as I know, are Christians. It's not a Christian perspective. This is just what medicine is saying, really more psychological medicine. Doctors of of psychology are saying, this is what anxiety is. So it's fear of the future, and it's affecting me physically. So who experiences anxiety? This is all still secular, modern anxiety thought. Psychiatry.org states that anxiety disorders are the most common of mental disorders and affect nearly 30% of adults at some point in their lives. Another source stated that nearly one in five adults have an anxiety disorder right now. So if this was just a sampling of, uh, of America, of, of the world, I think it's not limited to America, um, every third person in here would uh, be at one point in their life diagnosed with a mental disorder of anxiety. Uh, now, women, there's a couple more things I jotted down. Uh, uh, women are twice as likely to suffer from anxiety worldwide. A study at Oxford University suggests anxiety most often affects adults below the age of 35. But research concludes that anybody can fall victim to anxiety. Now, what is the treatment for anxiety? Still, uh, this is just the secular thought. This is what you might see on CNN or a medical journal. What's the treatment for anxiety? So I'll say this. Sometimes when you are discouraged, it's a little bit different from anxiety, just feeling down in the dumps. Sometimes you just need a healthy meal, 
a nap, go for a walk around the neighborhood in the sunshine. Sometimes that's really what, you really don't need to sit in a dark room and think. That's really, that just get in your head. It just makes things worse. So, so get out, talk to a good, encouraging friend, take a meal, you know, do something fun with people you love. But, uh, but the treatment for actual diagnosed uh, anxiety is this. Um, one of them is, there's really two that, that I found um, online in these reputable sites. One includes psychotherapy, which would be talking to somebody, talking to a psychiatrist, psychologist. Cognitive behavior therapy is the most common form of talk therapy in which one is taught specific skills to improve symptoms, so uh, encountering head-on what you're anxious about, whatever. Another one is um, antidepressants, pills, pills. Um, there's a caution though at every site, and again, this, they aren't Christian sites, but there's a caution against the effect of the medication weakening over time, and there's a possibility of dependence. Now, none of that is a judgment or an editorializing on my part. That is just what doctors say. So, so that, that's, that's it. So there's a problem of anxiety. I've heard so many people say that they have anxiety. I deal with anxiety. Um, anxiety is not, is not a new thing. But I think um, if you look at, I saw this today, an, an etymological chart of the word usage in America since 2000, it's really skyrocketed because people have started to adopt it as sort of an identity that keeps them from doing things like, like I am uh, or I have anxiety, therefore. So it's not something that they're getting over, but it's something that they just have. And we'll talk about that in a second. But uh, I spoke to one person today who is going through as much as someone can go through. Nobody that anybody here but I think Kara would know, they're going through a massive trial. And and it doesn't get any worse than what this very unique, amazing, like you just have your mouth open. Well, probably on the same par as that that family that lost their, their three-year-old. Um, and you would look at that person and say, uh, they have a right to be a little distraught right now, you know? And so... Um, it doesn't necessarily matter what it is, though, because to, to my child, they might have intense anxiety about holding a frog in their hand, and they are just terrified. Uh, or, or you might have intense anxiety about speaking in front of people. I remember when I was younger, my dad, who was and is an evangelist, he called me up and wanted me, he was going to teach the, the church harmony, what harmony did to your spirit, how it affects your emotions, the melody affects your spirit. And he wanted me to sing Jesus Loves Me. Well, I was terrified. I think I was maybe Joy's age, maybe a little younger. And I just shook my head. I was like smiling. I was petrified. And he said, come on, sing Jesus Loves Me. And I, I could sing. But at that moment, I just couldn't sing. I guess you could say I had anxiety about singing, and I just wouldn't do it. And I, I never did. And he said, and it got awkward, and so he sent me back to um, my seat. And I discovered that disobedience, I later discovered, is not an option. When your dad tells you to do something, whether or not you have anxiety. So it was maybe that encounter therapy that you just, he said, you will, uh, you will speak in front of people. And since then, it's gotten easier and easier as I encountered that. That doesn't work for everybody. And I realized that some people might be interpreting what I'm saying. So that's not meant for everybody, okay? But that's what was, I was made to do when I was just a young boy. And so, but that was very serious to me. Talking in front of people, I would rather die. I mean, talking in front of people, that's the number one uh, fear. I think death is second if you pull people what their greatest fear is. So anyways, it doesn't really matter. Everybody deals with some sort of anxiety and it's real to them. Um, so that's modern anxiety. Number two, biblical anxiety. Biblical anxiety. So anxiety is real. Um, and it's in the Bible as well. Again, anxiety is an emotion characterized by apprehension and somatic or bodily symptoms of tension in which an individual anticipates impending danger, catastrophe, 
or misfortune. Anxiety has skyrocketed in the last 20 years. It's not a modern invention. Anxiety is very real. In Luke 10, 41, Jesus was speaking to Martha. And you remember this verse probably. Jesus said, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. Careful means full of care. It means anxious. It means having anxiety. That's what it means. And if you are looking for it in the Bible, you'll see it all over the place. I mean, Moses experienced it, Job, Elijah. Remember Sunday night's message, right after he had that mountaintop experience on Mount Carmel, Jezebel threatened him with death, and then he ran off into the wilderness, and he was experiencing the same thing. He was fearful about what might come in the future. He had anxiety. They didn't call it anxiety. They called it uh, being full of care or troubled. If you look at it in your King James Bible, that's what you'll see. But remember, anxiety is a future concern. It's concern with the future, what is going to happen. So as a Christian, if I am dealing with anxiety, how can I cope with that? Um, you, you look at the news and you could easily get anxiety. What's going to happen with, uh, are we going to default? You know, everybody's always panicking about something. What's going to happen with Russia and Ukraine? Uh, what's going to happen with the next election? There's always something to worry. Is there going to be a bank run on my local bank? Am I going to be insured my deposits? There's, there's always something to be worried about. I looked at another statistic recently and I think it said between 20 and 25% of anxiety cases uh, it rose during the COVID time. COVID, everybody was home and just was thinking about themselves and they couldn't go outside and couldn't have fresh air and exercise. What's going to happen? What's going to happen in the future? That's what anxiety is. What is coming? And if you look in Matthew 6, this whole passage, what we just read, is about anxiety. Because look at what Jesus is warning them against. He's warning them about their worry for the future which is what anxiety is worried about. Look at verse number uh, 25. Take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink or for your body what ye shall put on. Um, verse number uh, 31. Therefore, take no thought saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed. Verse 34. Take Therefore, no thought for the morrow. So it's a concern about what's coming in the future. And anxiety, it is a very real thing. Now, now you might, depending on your background or whatever, you might uh, hear somebody say, I have anxiety, and sort of like, okay. And it, I guess it depends on who's saying it. But, but anxiety is, is a very real thing because anxiety, even though it is an emotion as defined um, medically, it is an emotion, it does affect you spiritually. And if you look in the Bible, in Proverbs, these are all in your notes, Proverbs 17, 22, several examples. A merry heart or a glad heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dryeth the bones. And I think all of you have seen somebody who just lost their will maybe to get better when they were sick, and it really did seem to affect them. Or somebody who had a will, and it doesn't mean like it's your fault if you're sick. I'm not saying that at all, but that does make a difference one way or another, according to the Bible. A broken spirit dryeth the bones. Look at the next one in your notes. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. Proverbs 18, 14, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity or a sickness. Infirmity is a sickness, but a wounded spirit who can bear. One more, heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. 
meaning that somebody's spirit, their attitude, their disposition there can help sustain them or carry them through a sickness. But at the same time, same sickness, same person, if they've got a wounded spirit, they're crushed for whatever reason, or they're anxious about something, then that can actually affect their health to the negative. Meaning that your health is positively or or negatively affected by the spirit that you have. Your countenance, your merry heart or your sad heart, your glad spirit or your wounded spirit, your broken spirit. Meaning that your, your health really doesn't necessarily have to affect your spirit, but your spirit always affects your health. Do you understand what I'm saying here? How important it is that that spirit, that disposition that somebody might have, um, the spirit of a man is more powerful than the physical health. It affects it. It either uh, improves it or harms it. So number three, I want you to see here tonight, the cure for anxiety. So that was all sort of a big introduction, how anxiety, what it is and how it is real. It is in the Bible. Now, here's the cure for anxiety. Here's what it's not. Just just some things to think about. Anxiety is not necessarily improved by improved circumstances. Not necessarily. Now, uh, you might be saying, if only this particular circumstance was improved, then I would be all better. But we'll see by Christ's solution here at the end of the chapter, it doesn't really matter. Um, because you, you could say, it's not even a change of perspective even, because you could say, well, uh, be on top side because at least it's not as bad as this. And we've all done that before. I, 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 it could be raining or at least I have something to eat today or I don't like my food, but at least I have this or I don't like my clothes, but at least I have something to wear. Because what about the person who really doesn't have any food? What about the people in Ukraine whose whole apartment building fell down? Well, at least I've got a roof over my head. Well, what if you don't? You know, what, what if you don't? What if you don't know what you're going to wear tomorrow? What if you really have run out of money and you really don't know what you're going to eat tomorrow? Well, it'll all be okay tomorrow. What if it's not? What if it's not going to be okay? So that doesn't matter. That's not the solution to anxiety is improving your circumstances. You just, and, and we use it as an example all the time, so not to beat a dead horse, but you just look at anybody who has everything that you think a person might need, money, fame, power, respect, and they are one after another after another, eventually, without Christ, found to be miserable. People with a lot of money, well-paid athletes, movie stars, nothing against their what they do for a living, but the point is money's not the answer. Uh, Provision is not the answer. Lots of food, lots of drink, lots of clothes, it's not the answer. So uh, what is the answer? Um, Let's just skip to Jesus' cure. I want you to see this. I want you to notice here in verse 31, though. Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? So Jesus is saying, don't be filled with anxiety over, for example, these three things. Now, you tell me what is unreasonable about these three things. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Are any of those unreasonable, like, first world problems? Like, no, I mean, everybody needs to eat. Everybody needs to drink water. And everybody, amen, needs to put clothes on before they leave the house in the morning, right? Okay, that is something that we all need. None of these things are things like, oh, they're just so high maintenance. I cannot believe they're worried about, or I can't believe they're concerned and they feel like they need to have these things. So Jesus is not saying that these are unreasonable things at all. He's just saying they are a thing that you might think about. Look at this in verse number 27. Um, Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to his stature? I think I put in your notes uh, the parallel passages in Luke 12 where he says, and which of you would... uh, uh, with taking thought can add to his stature one cubit. If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? And it's funny because a cubit is is here to here, 
it's 18 inches on average. And that, like Brother Keith, if you were 18 inches taller, that would be no small thing, right? But Jesus calls it, uh, the, th- the thing which is least, I just called out a random person. I wasn't calling on, but the thing, like to, to God, that is no big deal. Oh, 18 inches, like to God, not, like nothing that we're worried, like to us, make somebody 18 inches taller, that's insane. How can anybody do it? But to God, that's, that's the thing which is least, that's no big deal at all. Which leads us to realize that these things that we're so worried about, God's not worried about. God's not worried about any of them. Oh man, I want you to see this. Okay, here's, here's the sermon. Now, now get your nose in the Bible here. Okay. Um, verse number 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Now that's, that's the, the, the main verse. Look at verse number 32. After all these things to do the Gentiles, uh, seek. Now, what does that mean? That means he, he's implying there's somebody that doesn't know the Lord, somebody unsaved. So somebody who's unsaved doesn't know the Lord. All they're worried about is this present world. What am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? What's in my bank account? Am I going to be able to retire where I want to retire? Is a dollar going to hold up? Um, is, is my, my, is my neighbor going to keep his property well while I'm in retirement? Like all these little things that I'm worried about are all about this earth, this earth. And after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Your heavenly father knoweth ye have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I think that the really the key to understanding this is to notice, first of all, in verse 25, you see, we started tonight with a therefore. Now, whenever you see a therefore, what do you have to do? Look back and see what it's there for. He said, therefore, I say unto you, take no thought or don't be filled with worry for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, etc." So therefore, well, what's the therefore? Now back up to verse 19. Lay not, Jesus is still talking, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. So he's saying, don't be worried about laying up your treasure on earth. That doesn't mean you, you don't put aside for retirement or you buy insurance or you make sure everything is fine where you live, but that's not where your treasure is. That's not where your emphasis is. That's not where your life's goal is. So not here on earth because look, moth and rust doth corrupt and thieves break through and steal. So everything that, that you see, everything that you've ever seen is just temporary. The world is going to burn with a fervent heat. You know, at the end, it's, it, God's going to make new heavens and new earth. Don't put your treasure here. And regardless of that, when you die, it's going to be left to somebody else. It's going to be divided up. The government's going to take a hefty portion. Your kids will argue about it, or I don't know. But either way, it's not going to be yours. It's it's gone. It's it's not yours anymore. You're going on. So your treasure shouldn't be somewhere where it's all temporary. Here, though, verse 20, here's what you should do. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. So nobody's taking it. It's not wearing away. It's not depreciating. Verse 21. Verse 21, I think, is the key to the rest of the chapter. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Okay, so somebody has anxiety about what's coming in the future. They're not a Christian. They're not worried about what heaven's going to be like. Oh, am I going to have a big enough mansion for all my stuff? No, we're, we never, it's never that. Never anxiety about heaven. It's anxiety about the future here on earth. So if our treasure is in things here on earth, then I'm going to be real worried about what's coming tomorrow here on earth. Where am I going to live? What am I going to wear? Anything. And I love how Jesus says, 
uh, food, drink, and clothes because those are necessities. Usually we're worried about not really the necessities, but, but even if you are, don't, that means your treasure is here on earth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. But here's the solution according to Jesus Christ. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. In other words, I have enough to think about today. Why am I going to worry about the things that aren't even here yet? Why am I going to worry about tomorrow? I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I have no idea. I don't know if my family is going to be healthy tomorrow. I don't know if, if I'll have my own health tomorrow. I don't know anything about tomorrow, but I know God. And so what I'm going to do, verse 33, seek God. Seek God. If you want, and, and again, there might be somebody who is actually suffering from some sort of medical, chemical thing. And so I'm not saying, you know, it's, it's not a real thing. But here's how, but here's what Jesus said about being anxious and worried about tomorrow as a Christian. He said, don't do it. Christian, don't do it. That's what Jesus said. He said, tomorrow, I, I'm in tomorrow. I will take care of tomorrow. I'm already there. God is timeless. He's eternal. He is in tomorrow right now as much as he is in today, as much as he is in yesterday right now. He's timeless, infinite, eternal. He's got it all. And so he says to us, he says, I know it all and I will take care of you just like I take care of the birds, just like I take care of the flowers and they're perfectly fine. Here's what you need to worry. Don't worry about all these other little nitty gritty things, piddly things. Here's what you got to worry about. First, first is seek me. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Look, if God sees fit to take you home tomorrow, that really shouldn't bother you if you're seeking God first. God, if that's what you want from me, then I, you're, I'm all yours until then. You, and, and look, look at his rebuke. And here's another key to understanding. Look at verse 30. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? Oh, what's the last five words? Oh, ye of little faith. Ouch, 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 ouch. Oh, little faith, right? No, no, God, it's just me. You know, I'm just struggling with this. He said, listen, you need a buck up, buttercup. You have a little faith. That's why you're worried about everything all the time. Little faith. Because if I'm just a little God to you and you have little faith, then all these problems are going to be bigger than me and your mind and you're going to be worried about everything. But if you understand who I am and you're seeking me and you're laying up treasures in heaven, then when I allow things to come your way, you're like, okay, Lord, whatever. I'm seeking you first. You're going to take care of this. I'll do my best. I put in your notes, the horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. So I'm going to get my horse ready for battle. I'm going to put the armor on him, make sure the saddle is tight. I'm going to feed him. I'm going to train him. But then when the day of battle comes, God, whatever the outcome is, that's up to you. And I'll trust you for that. And so I won't be anxious about the day of warfare. I won't be anxious when you send trials my way because I know you are in control. Christian, do you understand that people are looking at you for a witness? They're looking to see what kind of God that you serve. Do you have a big God or do you have a God that you can't trust to handle things like what you eat or what you drink or what you wear? If they see you, they're looking at you for that gospel witness by word. They're also looking at you for the gospel witness by your life. And if there is so little faith in your life, we're not being a good witness at all. We're not reflecting the awesome magnificence of God and a God who takes care of 
his children. What is the cure for anxiety in the Christian's life? This will help it. I promise you this will help it. Have faith in God. Seek God. God knows what he's doing. Make the most important thing in your life seeking God and doing God's will and living for him. People are watching. Show them a great big God in your life. 